Welcome to the Warriors of Education podcast, bringing you heartwarming and real conversations with teachers on the front line of education from across the country. I am Karen Sarah Watson, and I am a teacher. This podcast is for those who want to better understand the experiences of today's teachers. Come join us. Welcome to the Warriors of Education podcast. I'm really excited today to have on Shoshana Brown. She is a social worker and on the steering committee of more movement of rank and file. Thank you so much, Shoshana, for coming on. Tell me a little bit about yourself and how you got involved with more. Thanks for having me. I'm so glad to be speaking with you. I am a born and raised New Yorker, uptown from the Bronx, and I've always wanted to be a social worker. I love working with youth, and um, I'm happy to be, and I've been an organizer for a really long time, so I'm happy to be transferring my skills into union organizing in this really critical moment. Right. So let's talk about it. So we are in it. We are like in it right now. Um, At least teachers. We haven't had students back. So New York City public school teachers came back to school on Tuesday. Lots of lots have been happening. I can tell like in my own school, there has been a lot going on. So let's talk about what's happening with you going back. I know you you told me you were accessed, right? which means your position was cut at your old school. So you're at a new school now. So tell me what's happening with you with your first week back. Yes, I am at a brand new school. I cannot believe it, especially as a social worker um, and a tenured social worker. I definitely did not expect to get access, even though I do recognize that the school did have a high number of social workers. I would say that that high number is what should be standard. There should be a standard of having, of all students in every building having access to social workers and um, mental health providers. And I was operating as a restorative justice um, social worker. So doing a lot of community level work, which in this moment is highly needed because students are isolated, young people are isolated, adults are isolated. So I was providing interventions, not only at the student level, but also at the staff level and community level involving parents, uh, working with the PTA and involving them in some of the ongoing work of building communities. So that was very critical. And I am shocked and surprised that the decision was made to access me over some other staff members um, that, that could have, that, you know, the principal has a choice of who they access. Um, so accessing me certainly was uh, a targeted act. And um, I was not surprised, but I'm glad to have been, have opened the opportunity to find a new school. And starting this week at a new school, totally remote, like meeting people on Zoom, um, you know, co-workers, people that I'll be working closely with, people that I want to build relationships with. Um, It is wild. Uh, to get to understand a totally new culture, the way that people interact. And we know that 
interactions and cannot fit into a Zoom box. Our body language, people's uh, videos are off. So there's still more than half of the staff that I don't even know what they look like. Uh, so it's just really, really, really challenging. And I'm nervous about meeting students in that way as well. Right. So you're remote. You're not going back to school. Is that the deal? Or are you going to be going back? All, are you doing remote and live? Yet to be determined. <laughs> there's, Got it. I think every day there's a new answer for what that's going to look like, both from my own self and my medical providers um, in, uh, you know, what it will look like, what it will look like to apply for accommodation and whether that will get approved or not, but also from the school and what the school's plan is for uh, going uh, blended, right? If how many uh, people will need to be on site, will students who need social work services, who have mandated counseling on their IEP, uh, even be in person, right? So even if they, if I have a caseload where the students that need mandated counseling are not, uh, in person, they're not blended, if they've chosen full remote, then what doesn't make sense for me to be in the building? So there's so many factors at play in regards to whether I will be in the building or not. Every day feels uncertain and the levels of anxiety are really astronomical at this point. Right, so what I'm, so I'm in school live and so, it has been a tumultuous week where I am. We had a teacher that tested positive for COVID. There is so much confusion within the Department of Education and United Federation of Teachers right now to what to do when there's a positive case. It was um, nothing less than a mess because we were evacuated immediately and then we were told, then we were not communicated to at all. And then we get a letter at, and we get an email at 1030 that night saying we have to show up to school the next day or else it, they're going to take a sick day away from us. And so I could not afford a sick day. So I, I walked in the next day. So, um, and the only people that are listening to people like me who are very confused and very scared about being back in school, I feel like is more. And the only truthful postings right now about what's happening I am only getting for I am not getting from the union I'm getting it from moving a rank and file so tell me what's happening at more right now with the the I guess the fight to try to get this remote can you talk about that for a bit yeah first of all I want to just say that I am equally as infuriated with the way that our city is sending us to our death right like it's literally marching orders to our death um and i know even around the world i just got information that in places like israel that have been hailed for you know america and especially new york loves israel has a good relationship with israel does all this back and forth city council goes there and visits right um they have been heralded for their reopening plans and I just found out that they had to shut the, shut the schools down because of the spike in COVID cases as a result of opening schools, right? So this is like, we see this everywhere. This is not um, something that we don't know. This is not something that we need to test, right? Black and brown people, poor people, um, 1.1 million students 
in New York City are not guinea pigs. We should not be tested on, period. Uh, so that is infuriating, angering, and quite frankly, terrifying. Um, I think that right now, it, the way that uh, our UFT is treating us is complete trash. I was at a picket line uh, this past Tuesday and then again this morning where I experienced UFT leadership coming out to convince us to stop picketing and go to work. That's the job of the mayor. That's the job of the chancellor. That's the job of the principal. The bosses are the ones that should be trying to convince us to go back in the work. The union should have our backs. The union should be standing with us, not doing the dirty work of the boss, right? When we're having a boss worker conflict, the union should be having the workers backed because that's what we pay them for. And because they're not doing that, um, we and more have really taken a stand to exposing the truth. We are working overtime. Everyone at more is a volunteer. No one gets paid. We don't have nice salaries like Michael Mulgrew and the rest of the folks in the UFT, who, by the way, when I was accessed, did not even help me get my personal belongings from the old school when the principal was denying me the, my, my, an opportunity to get my personal belongings they told the union told me there was nothing they can do and i went all the way up to the head of the bronx uh, uh office so it's really outrageous that they cannot support us on the picket lines they cannot support our direct actions but they also can't do basic service level things like help their member get personal belongings from a school building in which they were accessed from that it's is almost yeah it's almost like you're a criminal and i feel like that once you know there is such a, I, I got i've been accessed um twice and almost this year but it didn't go through <laughs> but um it, it, it almost feels like we're criminals and yet most of the time you're excess because of staffing, not because it, you, you've done something wrong. We are not criminals. We are just regular teachers doing our job and for whatever reason they've cut our position. But I think that's terrible. Yeah, so more and more as volunteer organizers, we're doing the job that the UFT should be doing. They're getting paid the big bucks, but we're really doing all the work. We're exposing all of the cases and it shows because people like you and other folks all across the city are coming to us and sending us direct messages, sending us emails, letting us know that there was a positive case in their school so that we can help expose it because they know, everybody knows that the UFT is not exposing it. The UFT is helping the city hide these situations. And so we, as a result, people are showing us documentation of positive cases and we are exposing it and putting it on blast, putting it on social media um, and making sure that our media contacts who run the education beats in all of these news outlets are seeing what we're doing, getting access. Um, Bronx News 12 took personal private footage of the picket line that I was on and put it on the news that same night. So they're seeing what Moore is putting up and the news is following us because we are amplifying the voice of rank and file. 
we are let the me, file. And let me also say, which again, I, I, I am, I'm very grateful as a teacher to have you because I don't know where I would go. I, I think the other thing to notice is that teachers are terrified to come forward. Even on this podcast, I, it has been very hard to get people to speak out front and honestly, for, you know, fear of retribution. I, I, I fear it. Um, I know my colleagues fear it. A lot of people do not want to go to the news or, or, you know, or even approach. We know that, like, if we go to the union sometimes that we're not, you know, we're not listened to. And so because more is there, you know, we, you know, there is somewhere to go to, but what does that mean? Like, how much power does more have? Like, what is being done right now about all of this? We are organizing. And I think that that is a different concept than most people are ready to understand or hear. But that is the way that we build power. More is the movement of rank and file educators. And the way that we see power is by union members coming together as a collective. Um, that is in direct juxtaposition to the way that the Unity Caucus in the UFT operates, which is they make a decision and they tell everybody else after the decision is made, and then they expect you to sign on to that decision and do whatever they tell you to do. And so folks come to us and they say, well, what decision have you made? What are you gonna do about it? And we're like, it's not us we are us right like there's no one head person in more that's you know the brains of the operation or making something happen more is a collective and the leadership comes from each individual school each individual chapter that's rising up is helping to steer the ship of more and where we go next so we know that um, there have been a number of schools that are already doing sickouts, that are already doing pickets, schools that are uh, where staff members have decided to work outside the school building. So they show up to work and open their computers and work outside the school building without going inside. People are taking job actions and that's the space that we want to be encouraging at more. We want to encourage everyone to be organizing in your local chapters because that's where the power lies in direct opposition. And in a more citywide scale, we have been offering lots of support, organizing not only um, not only encouraging chapter level organizing, but really creating spaces for district level organizing, which you know, that, that's the things that UFT should be doing. <laughs> um, right. But what do you, I mean, what are you guys doing about, like, I mean, I know, like, where I am, everybody's terrified to come to, to do anything. And the other thing I want to ask is that the rules keep changing. So it, at first it was, if someone tests positive, you know, the school, we go home, you know, and, and, and then we get tested. And then it was, if someone tests positive, now I've been told that um, from administration that when someone tests positive, they don't have to tell everybody about it. They, they said that, that they only need to do tra uh, contact tracing and that's it. So I'm, I am really worried right now that if a child gets sick and is tested for COVID or a parent or a teacher, that I'm not going to know about that. 
And I'm wondering, is that the rule or is that being made up at my school or is that what's, are the rules changing as we're going along? I cannot even answer that. The truth is, is that when we organize at a chapter level, we have the power to tell each other when we find out about positive cases. When we get our chapters organized, we have power. We share information. It's in the disorganization uh, that you, the system continues to put us in these positions where we are scared and where we die, quite frankly. Um, we, the way to combat that is by creating relationships and organizing with the people around you, whether it's chapter level and or district level. And it's the hardest work, but it's the work that makes the most sense. We can't rely on the system. We know that we can't. We know that they've lied. We already know that in schools where positive cases have come up, they have not verified those or confirmed those cases. And we also know that contact tracing has not been done in many of those situations, despite someone coming forward and showing positive test results, right? Um, so what are we doing? We're calling for a day of action on Monday. Um, so there are a bunch of things that folks can do that the there are a ladder, like a, you know, we're teachers, so we have a, a ladder of uh, interventions. <laughs> um, so it's everything from signing a petition, uh, wearing red and organizing your school chapter to wear red for ed, um, do, call, doing a phone zap, uh, we're calling for a phone zap at noon on uh, Monday, September 14th where we are demanding that folks call the mayor, the chancellor, the governor, email them. Um, a lot of these folks, including folks like the chancellor, are not even in their offices, right? So emailing them is really powerful as well. Picketing outside of school before work hours, lunchtime walkouts, or even uh, folks refusing to go in uh, to be in solidarity with their colleagues, right? Doing sick outs or what have you. Um, so it really is a matter of looking at your chapter and seeing where is your chapter at and what can you do collectively around this day of action. And what we do as an, as an organization is provide you with some support, some structures, some ideas. Here are some ideas you can do. Here's a toolkit. Figure out in your chapter what makes sense for you. Where are, where are folks at in your chapter? Because there are still a lot of teachers that want to go into the school building right. that are saying we should be going in because students need the extra supports and special needs students, students with IEPs do, you know, can't learn remotely for a variety of reasons, right? There are still people who strongly believe and are willing to go in and it's really about figuring out who is who in your chapter and what level of participation is your chapter ready for in our day of action? Right. So I just was watching the news and um, six teachers have died across the country already from going back to school. And I'm curious what your thoughts are about that. I am furious. I have, uh, I've been watching that same news and I'm terrified. I'm really upset. And it's mostly infuriating because 
there has been no response to that. There's no commentary to that from our UFT leadership. Their only commentary right now is that they're upset with the mayor that test results are taking too long. That's what they're concerned about. Not that the not that the positive test cases aren't being confirmed in a timely fashion, not that the rules keep changing, not that the response is inadequate, not that we should be going full remote until we know it's safe. Our city is getting ready to see the biggest spike that we've seen. And if we look at history and look back at the Spanish flu, we know that the second wave is going to be worse exponentially worse than the first wave because that's what happened at the in the spanish flu people there was a dip people got comfortable they started going out again and the all of a sudden the spike goes back up exponentially higher the i think it's some i don't know the exact numbers but i think it's something like 80 or 90 percent of the deaths of during from the Spanish flu during that epidemic actually happened in the second wave and not the first. So we're dealing with real serious consequences here. And our government is not doing anything to protect us. In this moment, what's really interesting to watch is the way in which we know Black people like myself have known for decades that this government does not protect us. And we are in a moment where we are beginning to see that white middle-class folks, teachers, right? Um, people who are uh, blue collar folks who traditionally have had trust in these systems are starting to see that the systems are not here to support or protect you either. And that is a moment where we get to have class solidarity, commit class suicide, and join the Black and poor and working poor folks in a revolution against the rich, against the boss. The workers take back our our power. I mean, it's 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 pretty um, incredible the the disparity in terms of class and in in what's happening with schools opening because you have the working class and you have black and brown folks who are who have who's who the parents have to go back to work you know because they have to you know and so a lot of these schools like you're looking at not only there are more kids have to go back to school in these communities, but you're looking at the conditions of the schools and like the stuff that they have, as opposed to like, I've, I've talked to private schools also, and you know, they have pods and they have, there's so much safety there. And it's frightening because it's, it's across, across the world, it's been affecting black and brown people. But now it's like, it's, 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 we're seeing it in schools as we go back. And it's, it's absolutely terrifying. And I want to highlight one other thing about race here, which is that hasn't yet to be highlighted, but that even inside of the school system, the majority of essential workers in the school system who are black and brown are put, being put at more risk. And what I mean by that is the kitchen staff, the school aides and school secretaries, all the, admini all the uh, administrative staff, 
um, that paraprofessionals, paraprofessionals, school aides, community liaisons, parent coordinators. Those are the folks that are being asked to go back in the building more often and every day, more than teachers. And they're not being given the same amount of medical accommodations that teachers are being given. I know teachers that are still in other cities and other states that got medical accommodations and they're staying there, right? And the solid, I'm wondering where the solidarity is for the workers that are already there from our union and from our work, right? Um, and that's something that has been coming up in more that we have been working to align ourselves with folks that are um, the, the nurses and the paras and all of those folks, the D75 folks who lost a significant amount of people, teachers, paras, et cetera, to COVID already. And stand to lose more. Stand to lose more when schools reopen because there has been um, information given to them that students uh, in D District 75 are not required to wear masks at all. So th th these are the ways in which um, our system is not only really impacting teachers and the school system at large, but even within that, there's stratification, right? Um, around who's expected to go in, how many days a week they're expected to be there, how often, how long, how many people are they expected to be exposed to, right? School staff, deans, um, custodians, school safety officers are exposed to everyone in the building, not just the students that they teach. And also, I mean, it's, and the, the custodians right now have the weight of the world on them because, you know, they're expected, they're the only ones expected to clean the buildings at the end of the day. Like we, you know, and our, our custodian was saying, like, if, if a child in pre-K throws up, none of us can touch it. It's got to, it's got to wait till the end of the day when the custodians can come in. I mean, you know, these are, you know, and he's like that. There's nothing we can do. This, these, this is these are this is COVID times, and you know. So, looking at all of this, you know, where do we find hope? Where I've been finding hope most is in each other, in solidarity with other teachers who are working to organize their school chapters, um, in working with more and seeing the power of um each chapter rising up and going to a picket line even though that's not my the school that i work at i want to show solidarity and i show up at that picket line and it does it not only energizes me and brings me into community it also energizes the folks at that school to know that they're not alone they are picketing by themselves but they have citywide solidarity with what they're doing those are the things that make me hopeful right now. And um, the other thing that's making me hopeful right now is that I found out today the main person in charge tasked with school reopenings resigned. So that's, wow. you know, <laughs> that, that's hopeful. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, wow, that just you know, we're, we're pushing the envelope. We've been phone zapping her and, you know, letting her know what's going on. And it has, it has impact. What we're doing has an impact. Right. 
So um, what do you want to say to the teachers and schools um, maybe that don't have as strong solidarity, that they're afraid? Maybe the union is, it, maybe it's more UFT union at their schools and they're afraid to, to stand up for themselves. What, what do you want to say to them? Join more. Come to a more meeting. Um, check out our website and look at the calendar and come to a meeting. Come to the health justice meeting. Come to the working conditions meeting. Um, find out which district you're in and come to a district level group meeting where you can just at least begin to hear what other folks are dealing with so that you're not alone and so that you get tools for how to organize your own chapter. We need to build this movement broader. More has been uh, rapidly growing and we want to grow even bigger to make sure that folks feel supported. We're doing the work that our union should be doing. This is the union. We are the union. We're the movement of rank and file educators. So I want folks to feel supported, reach out, get in community, uh, and I want to say, as a social worker, I want to say something about self-care. And I also want to Please do, that because that's very important. So tell us, social worker. <laughs> <laughs> I want to say that take care of yourself, get good rest, drink a lot of water. When you go on your, when you have a Zoom break, actually take a break. Take a walk around the block. Get up and stretch. and come to a meeting, come to a more meeting because self-care is community care, right? Like right. community is part of self-care. Self-care is not just about you and isolating and taking a bath and lighting some candles. While that's nice, it's also about being in community because as part of COVID, we've been so isolated. It's really, really challenging on our mental health to continue to isolate ourselves. So find a way to really feel connected to other human beings. Um, the UN repertoire on torture has classified solitary confinement past 15 days as torture. Some of us have imposed that on ourselves for six months at this point. So really consider that uh, psych psychologically, we actually really need human interaction and human touch, hugs, handshakes, um, eye contact, seeing each other's faces. Those things are just as important to our mental health as a cup of tea and a nice bath. <laughs> so right. make sure that whatever you're doing, you're finding community, whether that's with friends to vent or coming to a more meeting so you know you're not alone. Well, that is an amazing way to end this. So I just want to thank you. That is incredible advice. I'm all for the self-care and it's and, and just getting together and banding together because community is everything. So Shoshana Brown, I want to thank you so much for coming on here. I really hope people listen to this podcast and hear your words because they're powerful. And you know, more is powerful and what you guys are doing is powerful. And I'm just grateful as a teacher that there is a community that cares about me. So thank you so much for being part of the Warriors of Education podcast. Thanks for having me. It's been fun. <laughs> yeah, you're great. <laughs> thank you. This has been the Warriors of Education podcast, dedicated to all the hardworking teachers across this country. We hear you. 
We see you. We honor you. Thank you.